Writing your oncology case report is a huge undertaking, and it's easy to make silly mistakes that can derail your entire writing process. That's why you need my brand new masterclass, the three-step framework for a finished case report. In this free masterclass, you'll learn three of the biggest mistakes to avoid when writing your case report, the secrets to actually finishing your case report, no matter the patient case you've chosen, and my proven three-step framework for starting and finishing your very own oncology case report. Save your seat today at theoncopt.com slash framework. Again, that's theoncopt.com slash framework. Have you ever made the perfect plan, like the perfect treatment plan, perfect plan of care, perfect in-service that you were going to deliver, only for it to come completely crashing down? It crashed and burned. It failed. It was horrible. You never want to think about it again. Have you ever had a year where that kept happening again and again and again? Chances are you may have had some of these experiences this year in 2020. But the good news is, is that we are almost to the end of 2020. There's a new year coming. And no, the new year is not going to fix everything. It's going to provide a bit of a reset for us, both physically on the calendar, but also emotionally and mentally. And this is a great opportunity to start fresh with a little bit of new perspective and try to reset or go in a different path than what we have been going on during 2020. So what have we learned this year? But more importantly, what are we going to do about the stuff that we have learned this year? Stay tuned, and we're going to talk about it in today's episode. Welcome to the Onco PT Podcast, where you'll learn from oncology experts, practitioners, and patients to help you on your journey to become a confident and competent Onco PT. Here's your host, Elise Decker. Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. In today's episode, we're kind of doing a little bit of reflection on what this year has taught us, but more importantly, where are we going to go from here? What are we taking from what we've learned, and how are we going to change what we're doing or adjust what we're doing to make this next year better? I'm not going to rehash everything that has been going on this past year. That's not this kind of It's not necessarily the kind of episode that I want to get into today because I think we've been dwelling on that long enough. But we have learned a lot of things this year. This cluster of a year taught us a lot of things. And I think this is an appropriate time to really kind of talk about some of the overarching themes or lessons that we've learned. And then how do we adjust course? How do we either get back to where we need to be or completely pivot and take a different direction. Because some of us may be trying to get back to where we were. Okay, let's try to build back the momentum that we had. But some of us in OncoPT may have not had momentum to begin with at the beginning of 2020. Maybe we were just starting. Maybe we were trying to start something or pre-starting something and it just wasn't working before then. And then COVID hit and it completely, you know, just made things worse. So regardless of where you're at, I think we can take these three big lessons here from 2020 and improve where we're going in the next year. So lesson number one that I have learned in particular, and I know that others have too, is that healthcare jobs are not guaranteed. 
Specifically, what I mean by this is healthcare jobs are not guaranteed in the ways that we've always thought that they would be there. I know that when I was in school, which was not that long ago, that You know, I would tell people, oh, you know, I'm going to school to be a physical therapist. And I would always hear, oh, that's so great. You know, people are always going to need physical therapy. People are always going to get hurt and need help. And you're, they're right. People do. We always are going to have people who are getting injured on, you know, at least for the foreseeable future until we're, you know, you know, injury proof or whatever. But we made such horrible decisions as a profession, as a healthcare system, I'm talking widespread here, that really ensured that our jobs are not guaranteed in the ways that our patients need us. And we are following very, very poor models of patient care delivery. And this is not everybody, right? But as a whole, we are doing a terrible job of meeting people where they're at where they need us, and how they need us. Because we have very much been in this idea of, well, this is how things have always been done, so this is how things are going to be. And for example, in the job that I was working at the beginning of this year, you know, we even had a conversation with my supervisor. It was like, are we going to get cut back? And we were told time and time again, no, we're not going to get cut back. Like we're, we're, you know, we're holding on to our hours as much as possible. You know, we're not going to get cut. We're not going to get cut. And the very next day after this conversation, higher up the chain came down and said, everybody is being cut from here on out. And there was this blanket approach. And I know that my company was not the only one that did this. This was across the board. I heard this from every state every kind of setting for oncology physical therapy, but physical therapy in general, rehab in general, truly, that people were getting cut. And it's not because that the patients weren't there. Patients were there and patients were still needing our help. But because we were trying so hard to practice how we've always been, we couldn't pivot quick enough to actually get to the patients how they needed care, whether that was virtually, whether that was, you know, meeting them more out in the community. Maybe that was trying to implement different safety protocols to, you know, make patients more comfortable. We as a whole did a really poor job of this. And so because of that, the patients weren't there in the ways that we have been treating them. And because of that, a lot of people got their hours cut, A lot of people lost their jobs and a lot of people who just graduated or maybe graduated recently can't find jobs or couldn't find jobs and are just now finding jobs. There's this one gal that I follow on Twitter who's, you know, a physical therapist and I feel like she's been posting for months about trying to get a job and it's not because she's not trying to get a job. This girl was busting her butt trying to get a job, applying everywhere. And everybody on Twitter that I saw was being so awesome about, hey, have you tried this? Have you tried this? And it just wasn't working out. And so she was just sitting there, not literally, but she was sitting there waiting on somebody to give her a chance at becoming an awesome therapist that can contribute to their team. And it just wasn't working. So... This idea that healthcare, you know, healthcare jobs are guaranteed is complete baloney, but not because they're not there. Those jobs are there, but not in the ways that we thought. And so now we have to go out and try to find them in a little different capacity. 
So we're going to talk about that a little bit here later in the episode, but I want to get to the next tough lesson that we learned in 2020. So tough lesson number two is we cannot control what happens. And I think in oncology physical therapy, we should be more aware of this, more in tune with this. But I am such a control freak. I like to think that I'm in control of a lot of things. And even after years of working in oncology and seeing family members go through cancer and having family members work with people who have cancer, I still think that I'm in control. And that is such a lie. That is such a joke. That is a horrible joke that I'm trying to play on myself because I'm not in control of anything and neither are you truly. We have such a limited circle of control truly and I think this year has been very very it's made that very very apparent that try as we might as tightly as we hold on to certain things for me earlier this year it was you know, that I'm a full-time physical therapist working exclusively with oncology patients in this particular setting, as tightly as I held on to that, I could not control what was ultimately happening above my pay grade. And that was so frustrating. That was, I won't say frustrating. It was frustrating. It made me angry. It made me sad. It was frankly devastating to feel like there was such a lack of control that I suddenly went from being able to really help my patients because I knew that I could, I knew that I was giving them good quality care to not even being allowed in my clinic to help these patients, even though these patients were continuing to come in for their cancer treatments. That's baloney. That's bonkers. I couldn't do a thing about it. I really couldn't. You know, I could do what I could on the days when I was in the clinic, but until someone who was higher up on the ladder than me said, okay, you can start coming back in on this day now, or you can start having these hours back. I couldn't control a darn thing. And that even came down to working with my own patients. And again, this is something I have heard of from colleagues all across the country. I'm sure it's happened to an extent internationally, but I haven't really seen that. I haven't really talked to those people. I can only speak to what's happening in our country. There is so much out of our control now, and there will continue to be. But lesson number three of what we learned in 2020 is that we can actually control some really important things. We can control what happens between us and our patient. What is going on in that session that we have with our patient whether that's outpatient, inpatient, home health, virtual, whatever you know, mode or delivery method of providing skilled, high-quality, excellent oncology physical therapy to that patient, we can control that. We can control our attitude. We can control the words that we speak to our patient. We can control how we are being present how we are present for that patient in that moment. Because what happens when a person is diagnosed with cancer is that the rug is quite violently ripped out from underneath them. And kind of the same thing, this semblance of control that they had 
in their life. And I'm not saying, you know, they shouldn't feel like they have control, but a lot of this control that they feel that they, that they want, that they need is suddenly taken away from them and is put in the hands of other people and ultimately in their own body that is outside their volitional control that, well, hopefully they live another day. If it sounds drastic, it's because it is. That's a lot of what our patients experience. So what we can control is in the time that we have with the patients we are seeing, we can ultimately control how we are responding to the patient in front of us, the information they're bringing us, what we're seeing, what they want to work on, to an extent, of course. But ultimately, we are in control of making their oncology physical therapy experience a positive one. We may not be able to get them back 100% to where they're, you know, running every day in the park. But there are goals that we can achieve and we can work together. And even if you have a patient who is, you know, nearing the end of life, maybe doesn't have a whole lot of functional gains that they can be making, we can still control the time that we're with them and how we are choosing to better their quality of life. And that's really awesome. Even with so much that has frankly been raging all around us, we still have a small circle, albeit small, we have this small circle of the environment that we can control. And that is ultimately, like I said, between us and our patient. And with that, we can do so much. Again, maybe we're not in the clinic, we're not in the hospital as much as we know that we need to, or seeing the patients that we know we should be seeing because of this, that, and the other restriction. But with the time that we have, we can make a very, very positive difference. And it is up to us to take advantage of that time and actually do that, to make it better for our patients. That's what they need from us, most of all. So with these tough lessons that have kind of been thrown at us, they haven't been necessarily something that have been gradually learned, but kind of abruptly shoved at us throughout the course of this year. We've learned these lessons, we have this perspective, but now how do we move forward and actually change, adjust, and make better what we are trying to do, what we are doing for the good of our patients and for the good of our communities. So I have three suggestions, and especially I'm trying to implement these in my own practice in my own life right now. But step number one is stop trying to force things that aren't working. So specifically, one of the big obstacles that I encountered in my practice earlier this year is that patients, we were, unfortunately, we had a couple patients who decided they weren't going to continue with therapy because they were concerned about the coronavirus, which is totally their prerogative. That's awesome. But instead of trying to call them and force them to come into the clinic, which was definitely the approach that we as a company were trying to do, that ultimately pushed those patients away and they didn't come back, period. Even when things were seemingly getting better um, here in Texas for a hot minute, which obviously we know that's not quite the case now. But instead of trying to 
force them to push them so hard to come back into the clinic, what we could have been doing was doing something that was going to work. So step one, stop trying to force things that aren't working. Step two is start implementing things that are working, that are going to work. And it's okay if you don't know exactly what that thing is just yet. We're going to get there here in a second. But for our patient scenario that we were talking about previously, calling patients saying, hey, when are you going to come in? Hey, when are you going to come in? It was like a daily thing, okay? So it was ridiculous. And at the end of it, unfortunately, patients stopped answering our calls, which is not a good way to maintain a patient relationship. Instead of doing that, what we should have been doing was getting more on the ball with our virtual patient appointments. Yes, there's limitations. No, I can't do very good MLD over the phone, but I can do a lot of other things when I'm on the phone or when I'm having a video call with a patient that are very effective. Education is huge. That's a huge part of what we do. And I can definitely educate someone over the phone or over video chat. Maybe instead of aggressively trying to get patients back in the clinic when we knew they weren't comfortable pivoting and trying something like um, Aaron LeBauer, who is um, based out of North Carolina, has this really awesome cash PT practice. And one of the things that they did specifically in their practice, I don't remember the full details. I'm kind of calling this from memory right now. But when they were starting to you know, when shutdowns were starting to happen, what they did was they got on the ball and they created this like wellness program where people could come in, pick up some gear that they could then take home. They had, a, a you know, okay, we're going to be doing these virtual sessions and, you know, here's where, how we're going to run this. And they were very much like, okay, we see what is potentially happening here. We're going to plan for the worst or whatever we think is happening and they were able to pivot really really well that's awesome you know I think there was a really awesome CSM uh presentation I think it was this year actually that Mark Milligan did um on virtual health and virtual PT sessions and whatnot and that was so appropriate we had no idea it was that appropriate but it was so impactful and important. And again, I can't remember if it was this year or last year, but really, really good stuff. And the people who were able to do better than others in this pandemic were the ones who were able to pivot. And I know some of you are probably saying, Elise, I work in a very corporate environment. You know, there's a lot of hierarchy and there's very much an established ladder of people who are above me making the decisions. You know, I'm very limited. You're right. You're absolutely right. There are some things that you are not going to be able to do because there are ultimately people above you in those management and even leadership positions that are saying, no, this isn't going to work. But... This is where step number three comes in. And step number three is don't be afraid to think and do outside the box. We learned very, very quickly in 2020 that what we have always been doing in physical therapy, how we've always been delivering care was not working and was not going to sustain us. 
And again, I've given you a couple examples of people who pivoted and ultimately were able to make a little better circumstances out of the situation that we were presented with. Was it perfect? No. Were there a lot of mistakes? Oh, heck yeah. But just because there's something really horrible going on, like this year, and like there will be things in future years, you know, not everything is going to be a hunky-dory all the time. But if we can assess the situation at hand, even if we don't know what is really going to happen, and start thinking creatively of some situations that might help us still do really good things for our patients and their family members and their caregivers and our communities, even in times of a lot of uncertainty and honestly, sometimes scary stuff. That's how we're going to get through this. That's how we're going to get through more things. So thinking outside the box, again, you know, for a lot of these practitioners that I'm talking about, implementing virtual health early on is what helped a lot of different people. There's others though. You know, I know Angela Wicker-Ramos down in Austin, she um, heads up Cancer Rehab and Integrative Medicine. She has started doing a lot of like guest blog posting. So I was actually a guest blogger um, last month and I'm going to be giving a presentation next month that she has just totally jumped on this virtual patient information educational sessions and they're doing virtual exercise classes for their patients. So even though patients may not be comfortable coming in, she is still reaching out and finding a way to serve her community. No, it doesn't look the same. And, you know, I know that she's, you know, she's talked to me that this is a very obviously stressful experience as a business owner, but she is doing what she knows is good for her patients. And she has come up with how she is being able to reach across these barriers that are unfortunately in place for a lot of us and still helping patients, which is awesome. And we should all be taking notes from these leaders, from these innovators in our field, because this is how we're going to get through this and really shape what oncology physical therapy develops into as we navigate out of this COVID crisis. So we've learned a lot of things this year. And Again, without rehashing them, there's been a lot of stuff that's been really crummy. But there have also been some really, really cool moments that we've seen our colleagues, not just in OncoPT, but, you know, across PT in general, rising up in ways that we, I didn't think were possible, honestly, but still helping to serve our patients and ultimately serve our communities. And that's what we're called to do. So if you don't quite know what that looks like, that's okay. A lot of us are still figuring this out as we go. Um, You know, I'm looking out, trying to find people who are obviously way smarter than me, trying to figure this out. And then, well, trying to figure out how I can implement this in my own practice and in my own business. And I'm still learning, right? And we don't have the answers. But there's a lot of really, really cool people out there. So if you're looking for places, I would highly recommend social media is an awesome place I also just founded, as in just founded last week, a private Facebook group called the OncoPT Online Community. It's free. We're doing all kinds of, you know, informational videos, you know, trainings and learning that you can do 
on this group. Doesn't matter where you are, you know, it doesn't have to be live. You can always tune in later, you know, different articles, just different conversations as a way to come together, connect and learn because ultimately we're all still trying to learn and figure this out as we go. But the best way to do it is we've got a, if we've got a supportive community to come together and learn from each other. So I do have the link inside today's show notes for the Facebook group. You can also search the OncoPT online community. Again, it's free. We would love to see you there. And thanks so much, y'all. It's been quite a year, but I'm really, really excited and really thankful that you decided to share some of your time with me and the rest of us here at the OncoPT. Thank you so very much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the OncoPT podcast. For more episodes, visit theoncopt.com.